Hi, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together we're the authors of 35 five cookbooks yep. possible, including the Ultimate Ice Cream Book and the Instant Pot Bible. And so today's podcast episode is about what? Well, today we're going to talk about the four things that we think today's cookbook writers, including us, and food journalists, including us, often get wrong. <laughs> this is kind of weird, but yes, I want to talk about, we've seen this over the years. We published our first cookbook in 99 and our first magazine article, right? What? Right after that, yeah. So we've done this a long time. And, uh, we've seen the industry change quite a bit, and some of this is going to be how it's changed. But there's stuff that we see all the time about cook writers and food journalists, and it irritates us. And so, Well, not only does it irritate us, I think it's important to point it out because this is how the public gets information about food and recipes, right? So right. it's it's really about trying to help the public really understand cooking and food better. Okay, so the first thing on our list is I'm going to state this kind of uh, baldly and flatly, the way I actually saw it stated by somebody on Facebook uh, just the other day. And uh, it's this, that the hardest part, this is what this person posted, the hardest part of being an adult is figuring out what you're going to make for dinner tonight and every night for the rest of your life. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> that makes me never want to eat again. Okay, that is really not the hardest part of being an adult. But but the, the, the humor is well taken. <laughs> and this is the thing that I think that irritates me and gets me about food writers and journalists is nobody is as excited about making dinner as you are. No, it's like it's just like at a wedding. No one is going to be as excited as the bride. Right. So no one is going to be as excited about that meatloaf as the person who created the recipe that's, for it. And that's the way it should be. Um, yeah, I went back way a million years ago when I was a young when I was a young kid. Uh, I played a we lot. We tied an onion to our belt. It was a style at the time. <laughs> More Simpsons reference. Um, we uh, I, I played a lot of weddings, and I, I swear to God, I, over the years, I met, I developed this th- notion that the reason weddings go wrong is because the bride and groom assume everyone is as excited as they are to be there and I'm always like uh, you know for everyone else even your mom it's an obligation to make dinner and your excitement doesn't necessarily mean everyone's excited about it. No, just because you came up with what you think is the best grilled cheese ever right. to have happened and the greatest way to make it people will like it that's true but it is you did not reinvent the wheel you did not invent like nuclear power and you did not change humanity nuclear. with your it's nuclear oh, Lisa. thank you more simpsons let's just face it you did not change humanity with your invented no. grilled cheese and, sandwich. And I think the the mistake here is when I see people online kind of mistaking uh, their own hype for other people's hype, and I see people in groups mistaking other food writers' hype for your recipe, for your own hype for your recipe. And, you know, listen, it's like a wedding. Other food writers are like your family, so they're going to be um, more excited than the general public. And it's, it's this way, if you think, that that everyone is as excited about your meatloaf recipe as you are, then this way leads to disappointment. And let me say that a lot of other colleagues, now I'm forgetting about the public. So let's say you come up with the best chili recipe that you think you've ever done and right. it changes your life. And let's say people in the public who are making it home like it. But 
other colleagues of yours, other food writers, journalists, may tell you it's so fabulous. There's a lot of sycophantish stuff going on. <laughs> that people want something from you. If you have more connections than they do, if oh, they like I your chili enough, the oh, then God. maybe you'll like their thing. And oh, so, my God. It's so massaging of you. Don't egos. let that, don't, you can't let that go to your head as a food writer because it's no. not real. No, you're your in chili, an echo chamber. You're in an echo chamber. The chili did not change the world. Right. You're in an echo chamber. And you've got to remember that part of being a food writer and a food journalist is connecting with people. Seriously, but we're going to come back to that. And more important than you're connecting with people, as much as we'll get back, than with your colleagues. They know how to I'm make I'm not sure chili. it's more important. I just think you have to realize what you're doing. Okay. Anyway, number two. Um, you don't have to sell or hype your topic in a media fractured world. Look, what do you mean by that? Um, the, the world has a million choices of media, from social media to streaming services to cable to cooking channels to, you know, YouTube cooking still channels. Still old-fashioned magazines. Yeah, and there are a few. One, I mean, two. Old-fashioned magazines still left around. And so in the old days, when there was a more limited media world you actually had to sell or hype your content and I don't mean sell or hype it outside of the content I mean inside the content itself for example let me give you an example I don't need in this media fractured world to sell people on the instant pot in an instant pot cookbook the people who are going to buy my book exist in a fractured media world they already are buying it because they're interested in the instant pot and so i'm talking to people who i don't have to hype it to i don't have to talk down to them i don't have to talk like oh my god you know this is the greatest invention that will change your life they already many of them think that i have to instead say something important about what to do or how to work with the pot rather than hyping it I think the worst people about, I'm worst, oh my God. The people who are most guilty of this are, and please don't hit me about this, but are vegetarian writers, vegan writers, dairy-free writers, uh, health writers, and they feel the need inside of the topic to justify why this vegan dish or this vegetarian dish or this nut-free dish or whatever it is, is the best ever. And listen, you're talking to a media fractured world and the people who are going to be interested in your recipe are already vegans or vegetarians or nut free or dairy free or halal or kosher or name it. You don't have to then sell me on it. I mean, the people who bought this recipe, let's say I've bought your book, I'm already wanting to explore vegan food or Greek food or right. kosher food or halal food. I don't know, name it. Any kind of food. You don't need to sell me inside the recipe. In the old days, you sold people inside a recipe on, let's say, vegetarian. Oh, my God, the flavors of vegetables are so much blah, 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 blah. You know, well, now... that's because in the old days, you got the one food article a week yeah. in, in the newspaper. Right. So if that food article that week was about vegetarian food, they had to hype vegetarianism. And that model even entered cookbooks. And it now, did. in a totally media-fractured world, you're probably already talking to people interested in your topic. So assume that and build forward from that. That's This is just a funky way of saying I get really tired of people hyping their recipes in their head notes. Just calm down. Somebody who's bought your book probably is already on your team. So go ahead and now tell me something about the recipe, not about how great it is, how to make it work, how what works, blah, blah, blah. Okay, number three in our things that we think that today's cook writers and food journalists get wrong is they just don't seem to understand, and this has been Bruce's and my constant refrain, they just don't seem to understand that most people do not make recipes as written. And you have to understand that as a chef who writes recipes, yes. as a journalist who writes recipes, yes. as a cookbook author, no one is going to hold, just like no one's as excited as you are, 
No one is going to hold every ingredient as sacred as you do. That's right. And you have to be, as a food writer journalist, you have to be a food journalist. You have to be flattered that people take your recipe as a template and make it their own. Listen, there are some recipes, of course, if you go to the high-end books. um, For example, Bruce's birthday party last year in November, I made this big Greek spread, this multi-course Greek dinner for a bunch of people. I used a Greek cookbook, and I basically did every recipe exactly as it stood in the cookbook but that's because I was using an authoritative book about Greek cooking and you know I mean let's face it I don't know that much about Greek cooking so I just wanted to let the recipe stand I trusted the book that's a very high-end schmancy book I know that Bruce does the same thing with let's say high-end Szechuan books and high-end Korean books he tends to take the recipes as they are but then, of course, even there, he starts to change them. Yeah. Um, as you get more familiar, at least when I'm cooking, as I get more familiar with the ingredients from China and from Korea, I do start playing around with it. And I love when people who read our recipes online or have our books write us and say, you know, I made this chicken dish, but I swapped out this sauce for a different one or this spice because it's what I had. And it worked and it was so great. And then now I think I could do that. It means that in our recipes were really communicating a language of food and how to prepare something, not just to yes, make this one dish. Absolutely. And that's what's really important. I, I, I Absolutely. And I think that that's the thing. I think that people use recipes as templates, as an idea, as a way to work. And so as a recipe or f- recipe writer or food journalist, if you're not writing super high-end stuff, I mean like, you know, Nathan Mirvold's bread, super high-end stuff. You have to make your recipes so they're slightly adaptable, so that if somebody pulls the time out and puts another herb in, Mm -hmm. you have to think through the adaptability of your own recipe. I agree with that. And you can't make the ground raspberry must the key element. Oh, God. Because no one's going to use it. Yeah, no one's going to find ground raspberries. You mean ground raspberries, not ground raspberry must, right? (laughs) Ground raspberries. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Okay, fine. Anyway... And here's the fourth one. Um, I think that modern food journalists and modern food writers are still caught in an old model in which they think that they have to sell their content. And in fact, what you have to do in this world is connect with people. And that's really what it's all about. And I want to say, I want to say before Bruce jumps in here that we did this for a while and it was a big mistake. Um, when we started our podcast, we were actually constantly using each podcast to hype a book. It was as if each podcast sold one of our books. Yeah, the commercial, the weekly commercial. Right. And, you know, I mean, thank, you know, I mean, just to, let's face it, nobody really listened to the podcast. And part of it was because it read like a commercial, because like every podcast was like, oh, buy this book, buy that book. You know, this is a recipe from my book, this. And we came away from that and we kind of took a break and I thought about it a lot and I thought, you know, this is ridiculous. Nobody wants to listen to it. I wouldn't listen to a commercial in my car. You have to talk about what... That's why you have Spotify without commercials. That's why I pay for Spotify without commercials. And Hulu without commercials. That's why I pay for Hulu without commercials. I don't want to watch the commercials. So I don't need to listen to a commercial as a podcast. And so we decided that we were going to instead just (laughs) do a more freeform podcast about the stuff that interests us. And I think that that, um, well, just because of the number of people <laughs> listening to the podcast over the years, I think that it proves that you have to learn how to connect with people. Yeah, if you're if you're a food journalist and you're podcasting, or even if you're just writing on Facebook every day, every post you make can't be selling your book. Oh, you God, have to God. talk to people. Shut and up. 
It's a, for instance, I go into the Instant Puck group on Facebook every day, and I probably spend an hour a day talking to people. I don't say I'm the author of this book. Um, I just help people. People ask for recipes. People, are like, oh, how do you make mashed potatoes? I tell them how to make mashed potatoes, and I get a conversation going with people. And then they become interested in who you are. Right. We started a group on Facebook, the Essential Air Fryer Group. But I keep telling everyone, you know, post any recipes you want here for the air fryer. Mm -hmm. Ask any questions. Post links to recipes. Post videos. The only thing we can't do is we can't handle your selling content. So if you're selling a product or a content, right. we can't deal with that on, a, on you... the group. But otherwise, you know, post what's your – and of course we started it because that's our book. But after all – I want this thing to open up to other people who have other air frying issues. Yep. And when people post about other books they really like, I'm thrilled. I want to see what other people are right. doing. And, and other books have great ideas that I hadn't thought of. So that'll make my dinner better next Wednesday and every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> so if you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends. Um, share this podcast. We would love to get even more people listening. Subscribe no matter where you get it from, whether it's Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify or Apple, please give us a five-star rating. All of that really helps get the word out. Right. And as we've said, connect with people, so connect with us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under our own names. Bruce is at Bruce A. Weinstein on Instagram, but otherwise Bruce Weinstein. I'm Mark Scarborough. You can connect with us on social media. You can join the Essential Air Fryer group on Facebook. You can even join my podcast group. I have another podcast on lyric poetry, Lyric Life. You can join that group. Um, and you can and connect with us however and we would like to connect with you and hear your stories too so check us out the next time on cooking with bruce and mark